Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, a new initiative from online payment processor Klarna aims to help small businesses, especially those owned by women and minorities, rebound from the ongoing economic effects of the pandemic. We'll tell you more. Also in our Throwback Thursday segment this morning, what rights do employers have in dealing with coronavirus issues in the workplace? And what responsibilities do employees have if they may have been exposed? And it's more of the great travel reboot of 2021. Oklahoma's Chickasaw Nation Department of Tourism invites you to discover invites you to discover and explore one of the largest and most extensive Native American tribal cultural centers in the United States. We'll take you there virtually. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Thursday, July 29th, 2021. Today is National Chicken Wing Day. Did you know, little fun fact here, did you know that each person eats, on average, 290 chicken wings each year? 290 of them. Now, I, I know that I don't eat 290 chicken wings a year. That means someone out there is eating like 500 chicken wings a year to make up for all of the ones that I don't eat. That's an amazing amount of chicken wings there. National Chili Dog Day. That's more my style. I'm more of a chili dog kind of guy. National Intern Day today. National Lasagna Day. National Lipstick Day. It is International Tiger Day. And it is Rain Day today, which is appropriate given the weather forecast here. So... So a uh, kind of an interesting story that I saw on the uh, Newswire. Remember, what was it, yesterday or the day before yesterday, we were talking about grading the Supreme Court session, the first Supreme Court session with the full influence of former President Donald Trump. All three of his justices that he uh, placed on the court uh, were a part of the court's first uh, session with the full influence, the full Trump influence. And uh, grades were sort of lukewarm, uh, according to legal experts. Well, it appears that uh, most average folks kind of feel the same way. And what's interesting about this is for all of the partisan wrangling in this country, the partisan divide on so many things, this poll finds that Democrats and Republicans actually feel the same about the Supreme Court. Ambivalent. I guess is the word that you would want to use. The high court's performance had an approval rate of 51% with members of each party in the Gallup poll that was out yesterday. And it was a lower 46% among independents for an overall approval rate of 49%. So both Republicans and Democrats graded the Supreme Court a 51% approval rating, a little lower among independents. 49% overall, that was 58% a year ago, which was a 10-year high, by the way. It is also the Supreme Court's first approval rating below 50% since 2017. And if you're wondering, yes, opinions of the court have been more partisanly divided in the past. 76% of Democrats approved of the court in 2015 when it upheld the Affordable Care Act and gay marriage compared to 18% of Republicans uh, that year. Conversely, 72% of Republicans approved of the court in 2018 
after then-President Donald Trump's first two Supreme Court nominations compared to 38% of Democrats. Gallup noted the even opinion among members of both parties could stem from the past term in which there were rulings with uh, that were considered victories for both sides. So, kind of interesting how... We were just talking about that, and Gallup poll, Gallup's poll is out. Follow-up here on a story that we talked. Remember when the NCAA handed down its ruling that uh, players would be able to profit from their name, image, and likeness, the so-called NIL uh, ruling? So after, and, and we said that uh, Reggie Bush, the former USC star running back that was stripped of his Heisman Trophy, uh, was petitioning to get his trophy back. With the rule change, well, it ain't going to happen. Reggie Bush gave up his Heisman in 2010 after the NCAA stripped USC of their 2004 national title and vacated 14 victories uh, following an investigation that found that he had received improper benefits when he was a student athlete. But the NCAA said yesterday in response to uh, Reggie Bush's petition to get his Heisman back that it will not investigate past penalties following the rule change. Now, they did not name Reggie Bush specifically, but they did have this to say, quote, although college athletes can now receive benefits from their names, images and likenesses through activities such as endorsements and appearances, NCAA rules still do not permit pay for play type arrangements, unquote. And if you recall, the issue with Reggie Bush was that he and his family were accused of receiving gifts and money from marketing agents as incentive some would say a bribe to sign with them after uh leaving usc so that's a slightly different thing and that is still illegal so no movement on the uh, reggie bush thing so i thought i'd follow up with that since we were talking about it you know it has been a red hot housing market of late and this is kind of interesting a new survey from zillow finds that you can get up to $5,000 more for your home if you paint the walls of your home in certain colors. (laughs) They found that light blue is currently the most popular color for bathrooms, and participants said a light blue bathroom would be enough to justify a 1.6% higher offer price. That would be about five grand on a $290,000 home. White walls in the kitchen increased interest in touring or purchasing a home. And buyers also liked light yellow, off-white, dark gray, dark red, and dark green for kitchen colors. When it comes to the living room, survey participants preferred gray, and they also say they liked light green, white, dark gray, and light yellow as options. As for the bedrooms, bright blue was the top pick, along with white, light blue, and dark gray. So blues, grays, and the basic white seem to be the consensus there. Zillow says, on average, bright green and bright yellow living rooms decreased interest among surveyed buyers to tour the property. So... Forget the bright green or bright yellow. Jeez, bright green? Man, I my apologies if you have bright green in your home and you love it, but that, whew, that would turn me off. Uh, both of those colors had a negative effect on prospective buyers. So 
kind of interesting. And uh, this is one of those stories from the file of duh the oregon center for aging and technology has found that older adults spent more time on the phone and on video calls over the past year during the pandemic and less time having in-person visits now you didn't need a whole lot of research to come to that conclusion i mean we all know that people visited less over the last with others less visited with others others less over the past year so that's not a surprise but this research in the Oregon Center for Aging and Technology said that using technology to communicate did help reduce feelings of loneliness and depressed mood, but they weren't enough to maintain seniors' level of social activity pre-COVID. In other words, older adults do not get the same level of connection from video calls, phone calls, and emails that they do from in-person visits. <sighs> Shocking! Did we really need uh, research to tell us that? I think we all kind of intuitively knew that. I mean, that's, again, research from the file of, duh. And one other item here to chew on as we get your Thursday morning started, among the first things you need to know this morning. You might have heard about this. Nine service areas along the Garden State Parkway have been renamed in honor of New Jersey icons. I saw this story yesterday and I thought this was rather interesting, but there was a glaring omission. The Turnpike Authority in the state of New Jersey announced the changes on Tuesday. Uh, National New Jersey Day was Tuesday, so they did this on Tuesday. The changes include the James Gandolfini service area in Montvale, the Whitney Houston service area in Union, New Jersey, the John Bon Jovi service area in South Amboy, and the Frank Sinatra service area in Galloway. Service plazas along the New Jersey Turnpike, the Garden State Parkway, have been renamed in honor of famous New Jerseyans. Governor Phil Murphy says the move's designed to put the greatness of New Jersey on full display. And I saw that story, I thought it was kind of interesting, but I thought immediately my first thought was there's a glaring omission there. What about Springsteen? What about Bruce Springsteen? I mean, he's certainly a great New Jerseyan. No service plaza named for <laughs> Bruce Springsteen along the turnpike. Well, it turns out that New Jer that uh, the state of New Jersey uh, approached Bruce Springsteen with the idea, and he declined. <laughs> he said, do you want to name a service plaza in my honor? Mm, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> so he was not impressed with the gesture. He said, it's a very nice thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> there you go. Some of the uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Thursday morning started. WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. The WTOL 11 first alert forecast showers and storms early today with a high of 85, becoming partly cloudy tonight, a low of 65. A man is facing a charge of felonious assault after authorities say he intentionally crashed his vehicle into another vehicle in a Findlay intersection. It happened at the intersection of East Sandusky Street and South Blanchard Street on Wednesday afternoon. The Findlay Police Department says a 24-year-old man was driving east on Sandusky when he ran a red light at South Blanchard and crashed into a 21-year-old man who was driving south on South Blanchard. Police say the two men had a dispute earlier in the day over property. 
that one of them claimed that the other stole. Get more on our website. Ohio State University sent out an email to the community saying all students, faculty, and staff will be required to report their vaccination status by August 5th. All students living on campus will be required to complete an at-home test within seven days of returning to campus. Masks will not be required for those who are fully vaccinated, except for public transportation. And anyone choosing to remain unvaccinated will be required to be tested weekly. Currently, OSU says more than 70% of all students returning, faculty and staff, are fully vaccinated. I'm Yolanda Harris. The University of Findlay has said it will not require students or staff to be vaccinated for the fall semester. UF says it may at some point send out a survey in which students and staff can say if they've been vaccinated if they choose, but they will not be required to report their vaccination status. The Findlay City Schools football program will kick off the upcoming season with Midnight Madness under the lights at Donnell Stadium. Head coach Stefan Adams says Midnight Madness is right in line with his all-in motto. Come join us. Come be in the stands. Come to Midnight Madness. Uh, we'll return uh, the love as well as you guys give us the love on every Friday nights. Um, and let's just have fun together uh, as a community um, and have fun just coming back and laughing and cheering together. So I'm super excited about that. Midnight Madness will be held Saturday night starting at 1030 and will include meeting the team, some fun competitions, the band will be there, and much more. Get more on the event and the upcoming season for the Trojans on our website. And get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Well, small businesses, as we know, were among the hardest hit during the pandemic with much higher rates of store closures, layoffs, financial hardships that continue even today. It's not always easy for these small entrepreneurs to just pick back up where they left off. Joining us this morning with information on a new initiative aimed at helping small businesses recover is Stephanie Paterzo, Global Head of Business Marketing at Klarna, which is a fintech company perhaps best known for its payment processing services. Stephanie, what are some of the biggest challenges that you are seeing uh, that small businesses are are facing here post-pandemic in this recovery? Well, thank you so much for having me today, Chris. So you're exactly right. It has been an extremely tough year for most small businesses. We've seen them struggle with a loss of revenue, an inability to fulfill orders, and they have to pivot to an e-commerce strategy, which really is not as simple as it may seem. But Chris, there is good news. It's looking like the market and these businesses are primed for recovery. A majority of the small businesses that we spoke to mentioned that over the next six months, their biggest focus will really be finding new customers. And that, as you know, requires massive investment in time, money, resources, marketing dollars, all things that small businesses may or may not have at this stage. So Klarna really wants to help these small businesses thrive by helping them build their own recovery with this initiative. So explain how you uh, hope to do that. Great. Chris, I'm so excited to talk to you about how Klarna is going to help small businesses get back on their feet. So as you mentioned, we're a global global payments provider and shopping service. And with that, Klarna has nearly 20 million shoppers in the U.S. and over 250,000 retail partners worldwide. So we really want to open this up as a network for these small businesses. So with this initiative, we'll be giving 100 small businesses across the U.S free services valued at $4.5 million in total. 
So that means they'll be getting buy now, pay later payment services, which will help them increase their sales. It'll help them increase their average order values. And then they'll also get marketing services from us, which will help them really get in front of an entirely new audience. So with Klarna, um, these small businesses are really going to enable their customers to shop with more control and flexibility. And for those who don't know what buy now, pay later is, um, it's just basically a way for customers to shop now and buy what they need and love at this moment, but pay over time in increments with no interest, no fees, and no revolving credit. Now, just as uh, something of a sidebar here, but uh, noteworthy, my understanding is that many of the uh, companies receiving these grants are minority and women-owned businesses who were, as we also know, disproportionately impacted by the pandemic. Small business owners in general were disproportionately uh, impacted, and then those that were minority and women-owned were even more so. What can folks do to help support all of these small businesses? Yes, you're 100% right, Chris. And and the answer to this is actually fairly easy. It's by shopping them. That's where we can start. Um, Every single purchase really counts. In fact, you can find thousands of small businesses directly in the Klarna app so that you can shop and support them. And like I've mentioned with Klarna, you can shop at any online store and pay in four interest-free installments. So customers really get the ability to support the brands that they love and need right now and pay how they want. Now, you mentioned in addition to providing the main services that you are known for, uh, you also have uh, other support resources and such to help uh, these businesses grow and prosper. Yes, correct. So Klarna is really focused on, of course, what you've mentioned, our payment services, which really gives um, small businesses and businesses of all sizes the ability to add pay in four, pay in 30, or a financing option Mm -hmm. onto their website so that they can increase their average order values and increase their sales and overall create a smoother shopping experience. But we also offer marketing services where we allow our businesses and and retail partners to tap into our 20 million um, highly engaged and active shoppers. So it's a really great way to become, you know, the ultimate retail partners with these businesses. You know, I I think, too, as I'm hearing you talk about all of this, so much of what is still holding small businesses back uh, is beyond their control. Uh, In many respects, the labor shortage that every business is uh, fighting, the supply chain issues that every business is fighting and certainly is outside of their control. This is one area now where they can kind of recapture a little bit of control and be able to uh, maybe offer options for customers who have pivoted, as you mentioned, to uh, more online shopping and more convenience uh, shopping, uh, at least it puts them in control of this part of that recovery. That's exactly right, Chris. And it's so easy to work with Klarna, especially as a small business. We integrate with most of their platform partners, so anyone that they build their um, website platform 
platform on. We can mm-hmm. integrate with them fairly easy. They can be up and running within two weeks. So it's something that is a really easy switch to turn on to start increasing sales and driving shoppers to your site. Again, Stephanie Paterzo is Global Head of Business Marketing at Klarna. Talk about this new initiative aimed at helping small businesses recover post-pandemic. Where do we get more information? So businesses that want to work with Klarna can visit Klarna.com slash business, and that's Klarna with a K. And those of you who just want to shop these small businesses and support them, you can download the Klarna app. We'll link up to it on our webpage as well, getting these uh, small entrepreneurs back on their feet in this era of recovery. Stephanie, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Time now for our Throwback Thursday segment this morning. While most local employers have long since brought their workers back to the office after the virus shutdowns last year, there are still some people working remotely and there are still some workplace issues that are having to be dealt with. What if, for example, a worker doesn't feel comfortable being in the office, especially now that we have this variant spreading? What if perhaps their doctor says that they are still at high risk and should not be working in person? What if an employee does contract the virus? What are the protocols then? This past August, Cleveland attorney David Truman wrote a piece for the Ohio State Bar Association's Law You Can Use blog on the legal implications here. Some of it was specific to the executive orders that were in effect at the time and have since expired, but a good part of it was some common sense advice that would still apply today. From August of 2020, it is today's Throwback Thursday. Employers do have businesses to run. What rights do they have in replacing uh, or filling a necessary position when that employee refuses to come back? For employees who do refuse to to return to work, say if they're on furlough and the employer calls them back and they decide they don't want to go back because maybe they are in a high risk category if they Mm -hmm. were to contract the virus, the employer does not have to um, hold their job open in, in many cases. There are circumstances where they would, if they were on family medical leave, uh, or covered by some other, um, you know, possibly, possibly covered by the Americans with Disabilities Act or okay. something, there might be, um, requirements, but generally speaking, the employer can go out and hire a different employee. So and fill no that position with somebody who can come to work. So no special protections because of the uh, pandemic. And uh, I, I would assume by extension, uh, an employer does not necessarily have an obligation to make additional accommodations in order to bring a worker back. Uh, let's say an employee says, I'm willing to come back, but I will only feel safe under these conditions. They really don't have the right to make those demands above and beyond what the law says in terms of providing a safe workspace. Again, every situation is, uh, is different. And the, the lawyerly answer is it depends. But the <laughs> general rule of thumb is if you just don't want to go back to work because you're afraid of getting sick um, and that's all it is, that's probably not going to be enough. What about an employee's responsibility to his or her employer? Let's say a person comes back to work and then learns that they may have had an exposure. Are they required to disclose that to an employer? 
So I don't know that there is a law that requires that specifically, but I mean, ethically, morally, you know, just doing the right thing. Of course, you should, um, you should definitely report that and you should stay home and get tested and, and do the right things to protect those around you. But in terms of workplace policies, the, the employer can and probably should have a policy where if you don't, you know, if you don't report it, if you, if you think that you're exposed to the virus and you don't report that to your employer and take the proper steps, you should absolutely, or you could absolutely be subject to termination or other discipline by the employer. And that would apply, I would imagine, even if an individual is asymptomatic, because as we have learned, we keep hearing from the medical experts, uh, even those who are asymptomatic uh, are at risk of, of spreading the virus. Uh, if a person may have had an exposure, gets tested, it comes back negative, uh, then uh, then again, can the employer say, we need you back to work right now, even though the doctor may say, hey, to be safe, we want you to return uh, to keep your quarantine for another week or whatever? You're getting into kind of some sticky situations that, mm-hmm. that can be very, very fact dependent. But I would say under those circumstances, the employee should listen to their doctor and they should try to have a conversation with the employer, or the HR representative, or whoever it is that they're talking to and say, you know, my doctor says I'm not cleared to return yet. They should provide a letter from the doctor if necessary under the company policy or if the employer just asked for it um, that, that says that they've been advised to stay home and, um, and take those precautions. And, and most employers, I would think, would respect that because they want to protect their, their workforce. Sure. Um, and if there's an outbreak at work, the employer is going to be worse off. Right. Um, and, and it can't be worth it at that point to have an employee yeah. come back early. So what I hear you saying is that a lot of this is legal gray area, obviously uncharted territory because we've not been through anything like this before. And really what it all boils down to is open and honest communication between employer and employee, hopefully without the fear of reprisal. Absolutely. And open and honest communication is always, you know, a good place to start in any situation with your employer or, you know, if you are an employer with, with your employees. But you're right. This is, this is uncharted territory. This is, um, legal experts, lawyers and, and, um, uh, employers and employees all trying to figure things out kind of as we go. The laws, are changing. The governor has, has issued executive orders a couple of times, obviously, and I would just recommend that people try to stay up on things. And if they have a, a legal issue, they need to potentially talk to an attorney and not just rely on what they think is correct, because many times those those two things don't necessarily meet. <laughs> the the uh, legal advice you get uh, from Google is uh, usually worth what you pay for it. Uh, so, uh, point well taken there. But uh, again, the underlying message that common sense will go a long way. Uh, from August of 2020, our conversation with Cleveland attorney David Truman uh, from his piece on the Ohio State Bar Association's Law You Can Use blog on the some of the legal implications uh, of the uh, coronavirus. As we mentioned, some of the information in the original piece was specific to the executive orders that have since expired. Um, and for that reason, the blog 
piece that we referenced is no longer available uh, on the uh, website we looked, but we do have a link on on goodmornings.net to some more general uh, advice uh, for both employers and employees with respect to workplace issues like these, goodmornings.net. Again, from August of 2020, today's Throwback Thursday. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update of the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. This is one of those the rest of the story stories. You might have heard about this actually in the regular news a few days ago. Authorities in Montana say two people ended up being arrested after an investigation into an abandoned aircraft on Highway 93 south of Hamilton. The investigation showed that the plane was stolen from a Helena area aviation company on Sunday. Casey Gressner, age 32, was arrested for felony theft and Brittany Treb was arrested for two counts of felony criminal possession of dangerous drugs, felony tampering with or fabricating physical evidence, misdemeanor obstructing a peace officer and misdemeanor criminal possession of dangerous drugs. Ms. Gressner initially told police uh, or Mr. Gressner as a uh, originally told police he was forced to make an emergency landing on Highway 93 uh, due to a malfunctioning fuel tank in his plane. And that story actually made the news. I saw a piece on that uh, over the weekend. This small plane made a landing emergency landing on a highway. It was like, wow, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Well, it turns out that the plane was discovered to have been stolen Hence, his arrest. The aircraft was reported stolen to the Helena Police Department by the owners, and arrangements are being made to now retrieve it. But that's that's bold <laughs> to steal a plane. <laughs> of all of the things that you can steal, they stole a plane. Nobody will miss this. Not the brightest. And then had to land it on the highway. Not the way they envisioned that whole thing going down, I guess. Elsewhere in the broken news, a Florida man is recovering after he decided to stick his arm in the jaguar pen at a local zoo. (laughs) Yeah, there's a bright decision. Police say the unidentified man was at the Jacksonville Zoo when he climbed over a safety barrier and put his arm into the enclosure. Not surprisingly, one of the animals in the range of the jaguar exhibit then clawed his arm, leaving it gushing with blood. He was hospitalized with non-life-threatening injuries. Bet he won't do that again. (laughs) He discovered that, lo and behold, there's a reason why they put up those fences to separate you from the Jaguars. That's... (sighs) Some people. What would possess a person to do that? I just don't get it. I I just don't understand. What was... Do you have a death wish? Is that... Anyway. In North Carolina, uh, this is McDowell County, North Carolina, a woman is accused <laughs> of taking of taking her seven-month-old son along with her on a break-in. Well, what else do you do when you can't find a sitter? You have to take your kids to work. <laughs> and because her work is, is robbery, well, there you go. The uh, local sheriff's office says Jenny Real, age 28, was found inside a home where a break-in was reported. She was found to have stolen medication, a power saw, coins, knives, socks, and jewelry. <laughs> she stole some socks. 
Uh, Deputies say she had her son with her and had pills in her possession. She faces multiple charges, including breaking and entering and possession with intent to sell or deliver a Schedule II controlled substance. So (laughs) it just underscores the the problem that we have in this country with affordable child care. I think I think that's really the moral of the story that we can take away from that. Just so difficult. (laughs) A good child care in this country. Texas police say two teenage girls found it. Now, this is, sometimes you're left scratching your head saying, what what are we coming to in this country? Texas police say two teenage girls found the body of a deceased man, then stole his jewelry and posted the entire incident on Snapchat. The girls apparently found the man in a Medina Valley drainage ditch prompting a friend to call 911, but while they were waiting for the sher- for the uh, deputies to arrive, the 16- and 17-year-olds took a gold chain off the man's neck and posted video on Snapchat. The two eventually returned the pendant from the necklace to the man's family, but both have been charged with theft from a human corpse. I, I just... I <clears throat> don't know what to say about that. So moving on. Did you leave your wedding dress by the side of the road? This also in Texas. The North Texas Tollway Authority said the workers doing a cleanup project in the Dallas North Tollway region in Frisco, Texas, spotted a white box on the side of the road. Inside was a wedding dress. The Tollway Authority posted a photo of the white dress and train on Twitter in hopes of finding the owner. Officials say that the documents found inside the box indicate that the dress had been boxed up more than 20 years ago, but the papers did not provide any other clues pointing to the identity of the owner. They say they will hold the dress for at least 90 days while officials try to find the owner. You know, someone who was in Texas recently, probably a move. It sounds like somebody was moving um, into a new home and uh, somehow the... uh, box of the wedding dress fell off can you imagine how would you like to be the moving company or the friend who's helping someone move and you get there and the their wedding dress is missing <laughs> yikes and finally in the broken news this morning this is kind of cool out of michigan a sheriff's canine and his handler were able to find something other than sand at a local beach A woman posted on Facebook that she was visiting the beach at Eagle River with her family when she lost her wedding ring. A man on the beach with a metal detector volunteered to help, but he couldn't find the ring. So the sheriff's office stepped in and Dogo, the canine unit, was able to find the ring in just a couple of minutes. (laughs) Even a guy with a metal detector couldn't find the ring, but the dog found it in no time. Woman says she... Rewarded the dog with some ice cream. (laughs) That's pretty cool. There you go. Some of the uh, broken news headlines this morning. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. You've been putting back a few, and a few becomes a few too many. For a moment, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you live nearby. What's the worst that could happen? You get pulled over. Your insurance goes up. 
You lose your license. You total your car. You kill someone. The results of driving drunk are tragic. That's why law enforcement is out there looking for impaired drivers to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. Uh, So the past uh, couple of weeks, there have been uh, these stories, billionaires going to space. Jeff Bezos, Richard Branson have both slipped the surly bonds of Earth, even for just a few minutes. And of course, Elon Musk is talking about preparing for missions to Mars. So there is a new survey which shows that a majority of Americans are actually excited about what's to come. Consumer research company uh pipples pipple say pipple say pip pipple say anyway i'm not familiar with the company but they put the uh, survey out here so give them credit they polled 30,470 americans and nearly 9,000 britons to see what average folks thoughts are on the idea of space tourism and i have to say that i was a bit surprised by some of the results 69% of Americans say they are excited about the idea of space tourism. Only 55% of those in the UK said the same. I would have guessed the numbers would be a little bit lower than that. But uh, as for who, whom you would trust with your first tour of space, it apparently breaks down by national pride. 29% of Americans say they would go with Jeff Bezos, the American uh, and his Blue Origin spacecraft, compared with 16% of those in Great Britain. However, 26% of Americans would t- trust Richard Branson's Virgin Galactic Galactic chips. Uh, and of course, uh, Richard Branson is a Brit. And uh, there's about 25% of support from his fellow Brits. Of the 31% of Americans and 45% of Britons who said that they were not excited by space tourism, 41% of Americans and 43% of those in the UK called the flights just a joyride for the uber-rich. Well, of course they are right now. Of course, they say that the the cost, like everything, cost is going to come down uh, the more they perfect the technology. So maybe someday in the future, a space vacation will be within reach of everyone. But for now, it's just a joyride for the uber-rich. 27% of those in the U.S. and 30% of those in the U.K. called space tourism a waste of money and resources. And as for missions to Mars, the pioneering spirit of the USA was certainly on display. 39% said it is a good idea that the moguls of today are preparing for the future as compared to just 25% of Britons who felt the same way, 31% of Americans and 45% of the Britons say that billionaires should focus on Earth's problems first. Well, now more of the great travel reboot of 2021. It's a summer all about reconnecting with family and friends, sharing experiences, creating new memories in new places we've never explored before. Angel Green is tourism and marketing manager 
For the Chickasaw Nation Department of Tourism, Chickasaw County, Oklahoma, one of the largest and most extensive tribal culture centers in the United States. And Angel, first of all, talk a little bit about weathering the storm of the past year and a half, basically. It's got to be good to see families planning adventures again. You know, Chris, the the, the pandemic uh, was a little too for us. You know, our museums were closed. But we have so much outdoor recreation that we had so many visitors in our national park, at our lakes, um, doing staying in cabins, doing all the things outdoors. So, you know, though some of our places were slow and closed, other places were just really busy. Which is part of what makes uh, your region such a terrific spot for a family adventure in 2021 because many people are still seeking uh, many of those same qualities. Talk a little bit about uh, where you are now and what travelers can expect when they visit. Well, right now I'm sitting at the Chickasaw Cultural Center in the heart of the Arbuckle Mountains in Sulphur, Oklahoma. Uh, Our cultural center is the hub of the Chickasaw people. It is the location um, that tells the story of the, the Chickasaw people and, and how they were removed from their homelands in, in Mississippi to their present-day home in Oklahoma. So visitors can come here, see the story of the Chickasaw people unfold before them through uh, re- demonstrations, through stomp dances, through uh, exhibits, through artisans, through the art, through the language. So it is a great place for people to come and uh, on vacation to enjoy and make memories, but also learn about uh, the Chickasaw people. Now, the as you were alluding to, the uh, culture center, the the uh, area, the region that we're talking about is uh, is more than just uh, one museum or one cultural center. There is so much to see and do what should people put on their list what is what are the the do not miss attractions if people want to go the do not miss ones at the chickasaw cultural center mm-hmm. but also to learn about the western heritage the chisholm trail heritage center in duncan oklahoma is a big one as well it has a 4d experience where you can go in the theater you can smell the bacon frying you can feel mm-hmm. the the wind blowing on you as these cattle drives are coming through the state uh, of Oklahoma. You can smell the dust. So it's a very immersive experience uh, that talks about the Western culture that is in our area. Uh, also, we have the, uh, the Toy and Action Figure Museum that has every toy and action figure uh, toy uh, that's been made. And it's in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. So uh, hmm. Marvel uh, geeks and, and uh all of that can go, they can go in there and they can just see everything. So we have those little off the beaten uh, track uh, museums. But if you want to talk about some of my favorite things to do, sleep in the floating cabins on Lake Murray. You want to talk about being rocked to sleep like a baby. That is where you can just sleep like a baby, walk outside, <laughs> drop your line in the lake. So it's, it's an amazing experience. 
Sounds awesome. And for those who have never uh, experienced the American West, it is just uh, amazing the the wide open spaces and, and all the area there is to explore and the sites that there are to see. What planning tips can you offer for those who may be heading in that direction for the first time? Well, first of all, you need about three or four days to do our whole area and to experience all all that we have to offer. Mm-hmm. You know, Turner Falls, the 77-foot waterfall, the National Park, the, Chis- uh, the Chisholm Trail Heritage Center, the Cultural Center. You want to make sure you go over to Blake Shelton's neck of the woods in Tishomingo and eat at his restaurant. So you need three or four days. But for accommodations, you need to start booking now uh, so that you can get those. Those are booking up very fast. All summer, things have been booked. So if you're looking... For the next, uh, you know, three to six months, I would start booking right now and find your uh, your hotel accommodations, your cabin, your bed and breakfast, whatever you want to do, your your camp spot, whatever wherever you want to stay. That's what you need to be uh, looking for now. Well, and that uh, actually underscores one of the things I wanted to point out, too. Not only uh, is it just an amazing array of things to see, but there are all kinds of options for accommodations and and how to travel and and so on. So really, the possibilities are endless. Uh, Again, the great travel reboot of 2021, we're highlighting some areas that maybe you haven't uh, thought about, new places to discover and explore. Uh, Angel Green is tourism and marketing manager, the Chickasaw Nation Department of Tourism. Where do folks get more information? Chris, they need to go to ChickasawCountry.com and all the information that they need should be right there. And if they have any questions, they can just list them in the chat box and we'll get right back to them. Awesome stuff. We'll link it up on our webpage as well. Angel, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Have a wonderful day. And that finishes up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage, goodmornings.net. Of course, is where you find us on the World Wide Web. Coming up tomorrow, it is never too early to think about the holiday season, especially if you're a retailer looking to recover from a pandemic. Plus, the Flag City Night Out event is back in 2021. We'll have details and more recipes from Kyra's Kitchen to finish up the week. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.